you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. I want to take your attention to the Gospel of Luke, the 22nd chapter today. And I I have felt this in my spirit for a little while and it's maybe a little different for Sunday morning. And just to be honest, I, I kind of wanted to s- preach this message tonight. And um, I just kept getting drawn back here. Um, I had scheduled a guest to preach for us tonight, a neighboring pastor, and uh, received a cancellation late. And uh, so I felt to bring this message to you this morning, and let's see what the Lord wants to speak to us. Luke chapter 22, verse 39, and he came out and went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. My, my internal struggle for what to preach this morning is because it is the first Sunday of December and I really wanted to start a Christmas series this morning that I was really looking forward to and I just kept feeling pulled away from that and into this message today and there's an old, old song. I'll not attempt to sing it, um, at least not at this point. My courage is going to have to get up before I do. But there's an old, old song that some of you elders that's been around the church for a long time will recognize the words, and I wouldn't attempt it because I'm, I'm, I doubt Sister Cheryl is old enough to even know the song. But the words of the song have just been rolling in my mind. Sweet hour of prayer. Sweet hour of prayer. 
that calls me from a world of care and bids me at my Father's throne make all my wants and wishes known in seasons of distress and grief my soul has often found relief and oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return sweet hour of prayer how long has it been for most of us since we have truly returned to that sweet hour of prayer? I'm not talking about putting a clock to it. I know the writer of the song poetically said it, hour of prayer. But how long has it been since we have been pulled away to the point where the clock didn't really matter, but we were not because the pastor called us to prayer or because tragedy has happened in our life and we felt we didn't have anywhere else to turn. But how long has it been since without any outside impending forces that we have snuck away to a place of prayer? I want to speak to us for a little bit this morning on that sacred, that sacred place. I, I'd like to have your attention for a little while this morning, if we could. I'd like to forget about the roast that you left in the oven or the restaurant that's waiting for your arrival and focus for a few moments on this place called the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is an interesting place. I was able to visit it a few years ago. Um, now I guess it is several years ago. It's a simple limestone hill that is about two miles long and it rises about 200 feet above the Kidron Valley, which separates those two very significant places. It's just a stone's throw east of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And there is about as much history and prophecy located around the Mount of Olives as there is any place on earth. It was that place where David fled with a broken heart across the brook of Kidron and his son Absalom had undermined him and had taken over the palace and overthrown his kingdom. David, weeping, covers his head and bears his feet and flees from the city to the Mount of Olives. It was the Mount of Olives where Ezekiel received an amazing vision that changed his life forever. It, it was up and down the roads around the Mount of Olives where the Lord traveled every day. It was home turf. It, if Jesus ever had a favorite place, evidently it must have been the Mount of Olives. Um, he spent so much time there and around the Mount of Olives. Jesus went regularly unto the Mount of Olives. He traveled over it and spent a lot of time on the backside of the Mount of Olives where he stayed and visited Jerusalem. He spent a lot of time there with three very important people in Scripture, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. 
It was at the Mount of Olives where the Lord went after the Last Supper. And the Mount of Olives was where Jesus spent many of his nights. The last verse of John chapter 7 explains it all. And as you know, in the original text, there was no chapter and verse. So the verse, the first verse in chapter 8 is a continuation of the last verse of chapter 7. He said, and every man went unto his own house, and Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. It gives us some insight in what really is going on there. It was the place perhaps that he even called home. The scripture said that the Son of Man had no place to call his own or no place to lay his head. This is what separated him from the crowd was that everyone else went to their own house. But Jesus was different. He, he went to the Mount of Olives. He, he went away to this very special sacred Place. It was the Mount of Olives when, where Jesus went and he cried in the very famous passage of Scripture when he said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killeth the prophets, how oft would I have gathered thee together as a hen gathers her brood, but thou wouldest not. He wept over the city on the Mount of Olives. I was on the Mount of Olives and there in the garden of Gethsemane. It was, it was in that place. What, what a unique experience. Uh, perhaps uh, in the near future we'll be talking to you a little bit about the possibility of our church doing a, an Israel tour. And I think it's going to be a great opportunity for us to be able to go and, and experience some of these Bible scenes. And these stories are going to come to life like never, ever before. Uh, it was on the Mount of Olives where uh, the Garden of Gethsemane was, where Jesus prayed and his disciples were there that fateful night when he cried, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me, where we see the, the flashing lanterns and the Roman soldiers coming for him after that he had been betrayed. And when they found him, they found him praying on the Mount of Olives. Here's the real subject matter today is that our sacred place is a place of prayer. It was the Mount of Olives where they found Jesus praying and if I understand the scripture correctly it will be on the Mount of Olives that Jesus is going to return for his church to be called home to be with him. Zechariah the prophet declared in verse 14 that on the Mount of Olives he will stand and plant his feet as the king where he suffered as a servant. He will rule as king where he had once knelt in agony. He will return to that sacred place to declare his lordship and rulership over the earth. It was from the Mount of Olives where he picked up where people picked up branches for his triumphal entry back into Jerusalem. They blessed him as he came in the name of the Lord. There was, there was no place so beautiful. There was no place so hallowed and so heart-searching as the Mount of Olives. It kind of still has that certain allure today that it, just something about it draws from the innermost being of man, it draws something out of you. You can go there today and there still stands the same 
grove of trees that they say that stood more than 2,000 years ago, the same garden, the same olive trees that the Lord knelt under are still standing there today. One, one of the most moving places perhaps that I've ever been, that I've ever prayed was on the Mount of Olives in 1995. I walked through that city and on to the Mount of Olives. I can't begin to tell you what I felt as I knelt on that same hill under that same olive under the, that same olive grove where Jesus would have come and prayed the night through I was there where Jesus battled with the flesh and he gave in to the will of the Father. I come this morning to tell you that that place was so moving and so so sacred you could sense it. I can't go back there every day or every week or every month or every year. Maybe on occasion I can take a tour there and hope to do so with my family. But every one of us can have a sacred place in our lives. We must, can I go further and say to you this morning that not only we can have, but we must have that sacred place with God. We must have that sacred place in God. I don't want to come boasting this morning or bragging this morning, but I can come this morning and declare to you and tell you there are certain places in my life. I can go back to my childhood and I had my personal Mount of Olives. I can come into my adulthood and tell you that there was a place even through my college years that I went to and where I found myself when I was lost and didn't know where to turn to. I could go into a specific place just across the, the, the hallway, just across the breezeway. You wouldn't know where it's at, but I'm going to describe it for my own sake this morning. It was at Texas Bible College where I would go out of dorm 7D and into the breezeway. I would cross the open space and into the adjacent breezeway and turn immediately right and walk into a prayer room. And that prayer room became my Mount of Olives. I can take you to my home where I grew up and I can take you to a place. I can take you to the place where I learned to touch heaven, where I learned to call on the name of the Lord on the good days and the bad. And it became my personal Mount of Olives. I can tell you this morning that I have a specific place in my home where I pull away to. I have a place. I've already established a place here in this church. I had a place in the other building that we moved from, from Delphi Avenue. I had my favorite place to pray. I've already established my favorite place here where I found myself on multiple occasions even before this building was done. And I found myself stealing away in that sacred place and reaching out to God and saying, Lord, I need to hear from you this morning. I need to hear from you this night. I need to hear from you in the middle of my trouble. Listen, every one of us need to take advantage of the wonderful avenue of prayer that we have and establish a sacred place in our life where we call on the name of the Lord. Everyone needs that sacred place. The Mount of Olives was so much more than just a hill. The Mount of Olives was more than just another place. But it was a sacred place to our Savior. And the Mount of Olives is where Jesus went to pray. It was a sacred place. And in that sacred place where Jesus cried, 
If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. The Mount of Olives was where the flesh was overcome and the will of God became paramount. Ladies and gentlemen, I came to you this morning in all humility and sincerity. I don't want to come this morning and boast as one who prays more than you all. I don't want to come this morning as one and declare to you my deep sense of... of, of um, dedication and consecration to the Lord but I do come this morning and humbly tell you that until we find ourselves a personal sacred place we will never defeat the will of the flesh until we find the sacred place and stay there until his will becomes more important than our will we will never accomplish too much in this life. You will continue to be bound by your addiction. You'll continue to fall back into that, that sin over and over again. You'll have a hard time ever walking away from that nasty attitude that you'd like to overcome. You'll have a hard time ever fixing that thing in your home, that family, that marriage, that personal situation. I'll tell you where you're going to find help. It's not going to be in a courtroom. It's going to be in a prayer room I tell you where the best help you can find in this world is it's not in another system but it's going to be when you get in a secret place with God and you steal away with him and you say God I've got to hear your voice it's in the sacred place where we overcome the will of this sinful flesh. We have moved away from sweet hour of prayer and we've moved on to become focused on the things that feel good and self-help and positive thinking. And it seems like that many of our pulpits are simply filled with preachers that are only coming to tell you that you're going to be a winner in life. You're going to be an overcomer. And I want to preach those messages and encourage you and build your faith as much as they do. But occasionally, i got to come on a Sunday morning and not tickle your ears and not make you feel so good. But I come this morning to preach a message that ought to call every one of us into a sacred place with God where I understand it needs to be more than just praying on Sunday morning. But we need to bring that prayer into our home. We ought to pray. What happened? What happened in our lives? We complain about prayer being taken out of school, but now we no longer pray in our homes. We used to sincerely pray over our meals. As a kid growing up, I wouldn't dare sit down and eat. My dad would have probably taken my plate away if I would have ever sat down to eat where we didn't bow our heads together and solemnly pray. I didn't look around. If my dad decided to pray a big, long prayer, it was tolerable. But we live in a day-to-day -day where it just seems to be it's a simple uh, good bread, good meat, good Lord, let's eat, and we move along. What happened to us being sincere about prayer what happened to prayer being more than what we do publicly this past week this past week I was asked on Thursday night I was asked to pray at a community event and I entered into Arbor Wood and I 
had thought through the prayer that I wanted to pray and, and I had kind of scripted the prayer. It was sincere. It was from my heart. I went in and I prayed that prayer publicly in that room before a group of 150 or so people that was there as our mayor had announced his run for re-election. And I walked in and I prayed and when I left I was in the car with my wife and I looked over at my wife and I said, was there anything about the prayer that I prayed that sounded like the prayers that Jesus would have condemned when he condemned the publican and the sinners for praying a prayer to be heard of men? I think there's a fine line in those settings where we're asked to pray. I did my duty. I did a civic duty. I did it. I was honored to have the opportunity to pray. But I don't want to ever get caught up to where my prayer time is only when I stand in this pulpit with a microphone where you hear me pray. I don't ever want to get, I'm sorry for being a little emotional this morning, but I'm serious about what I'm preaching to you. We, it's got to be more than we pray just because we're in front of our children and we're at the dinner table. What happened to that sacred place where we steal away with God and nobody knows we're praying but we're caught away somewhere in a corner of our office or we're caught away in our home when nobody's there and we get on our face before God and say, God, there's no way I can pastor this church without your guidance. There's no way I can be the kind of father I'm supposed to be without you giving me direction. There's no way I can be the husband that I'm supposed to be without you God I need you to speak to me I need you in my life how long has it been since our prayer was not about just to be heard of those around us but our prayer was only between us and God that kind of prayer happens in our sacred place there's so much flesh in the church today. We're more concerned about how comfortable we are, how good things feel, how much we enjoy the style of music, if the temperature is right in the room, if the sound system is right. And yes, we apologize for the echo. We're working on it. But we get so caught up in all of these little things and we let it take all of our focus away from our communication with God. We leave a service and judge it on if they did the song that I like. If it was my favorite soloist that sang or my favorite musician that played or my favorite Bible story that was preached or my favorite voice whether it was the pastor, assistant pastor, guest minister that was preaching, and we leave saying, wow, I'm full because I'm happy. I'm happy for what I heard. I'm happy for what I felt. I'm leaving full today. Let's run to the, rest, to the restaurant. Amen. Let's eat. And we move about our way day after day, week after week. When our real heartfelt communication with God is being put on hold for a time that will never come 
until we take control of our life and our schedule and get serious with God and really have the faith to know that when we pray, heaven hears. We've moved away from sweet hour of prayer. We've become focused on what feels good. I came to remind us today that we must get back to that sacred place. We must pray until there is a fresh visit from heaven. We must pray until we know without a shadow of a doubt that we have had a breakthrough and that God has heard our prayer. This sacred place was where Jesus prayed. If there's any other way, let me avoid it. But if this is your will, let it be accomplished in me. That's what a sacred place will do. We will stop praying for what I like, what I want, and we start praying, Father, whatever you have for my future, whatever you have for my life. You see, let me, let me explain it to you like this. Twenty years ago, my wife and I brought our twins to the front. Twenty-four years ago, we brought our oldest to the front of the church. We had guests with us. As a minister, I stood back and was a father that day as I brought my children and we dedicated them to the Lord and said, God, whatever you want to do with them, however you want to use them. And then when they get older and begin to want to go on about their business and do their own thing and choose their path for life, it can become very easy for us to begin to pray our will. When we have nothing to lose and no fear that those babies are going to decide that they're going to go across the seas or around the country, it's real easy for us to say, use them, God, wherever and however. But oh, how the scene changes when they get a little older and we begin to say, wow, I'm concerned. Our prayer begins to change. It starts being our will instead of his will. It takes us still in a way to a sacred place to get to the point where we can begin to call on the name of the Lord. And God moves and there is a real breakthrough in the spirit to where that this dad no longer is concerned about my will but I start once again saying God your will at that point oftentimes tears may be flowing emotions may be involved but now it's no longer my will but again it becomes your will you can't do that when you're praying a little a little uh, honorary prayer, a little Jesus take the wheel kind of prayer but when we get in our sacred place and we say God it doesn't matter what it costs me, I want your will in my life, I put my ministry in your will, my family in your will, my children in your will, whatever it is you call us to do, whatever you ask us to give, wherever you ask us to go, whatever you ask us to sacrifice, we're willing because we want your your will above ours. The paramount question I have for you today is do you have this sacred place in your life? Where is that sacred place? 
How long has it been since you've been to that sacred place? I use the word place this morning, but in reality, it's probably not a location. But that place is more of a spiritual destination. We can't get so caught up that we can say, I can only pray when I'm at my favorite place at church or favorite place at home. But that, that place is not a physical destination as much as a spiritual destination. The Mount of Olives was a literal physical destination, but I believe it has a spiritual connotation to the church this morning. And I reach to you and tell you, if you don't have a sacred place in your life, you need to establish a sacred place in your life. Everybody needs a personal Mount of Olives. Everybody needs a personal place where we commune with God. Oh, I know if I was preaching on joy this morning, you'd be smiling and hand clapping, but when we preach on prayer. Most of us are like Ooh, how soon is pastor going to get done? How soon can we get to the restaurant? Because it's against our flesh. There was no place more sacred, more sacred to Jesus. There was more, no place more precious to him. I can still remember like it was yesterday. My childhood place that I went to commune with God. I visited one of those places. Back in the summertime, I went and stood at the place where I first repented of my sins as a child. I went there to that place where I committed my life to God. Just a few months ago, I knelt back at that same place. I went right back there. And you know what? It didn't feel any different because God is not bound to a location. It was, it was kind of a moment of, wow, this is neat. This is where I was when I was seven years old. This is neat. I'm able to come here and pray here and go back through the same motion and routine again. But I'm going to tell you, there is nothing that takes the place of that fresh location when I get in tune with God in that sacred place here at these altars, in my office, in my home, wherever it may be, when I touch heaven and heaven touches earth every time I drive by that location I've shared with you so many times when I drive by that church where I was baptized it was a little baptistry that sat outside under a pine tree in East Texas I was baptized in the freezing cold February outdoor baptistry it was 67 degrees that day I thought we were breaking ice being baptized in the winter time in an outdoor baptistry. I still drive by the old trees now cut down. The baptistry's gone. New building. Things are much nicer today. They have an indoor baptistry. It's so nice now. It's quite different. But when I drive by, I always break the cruise as I'm coming up Highway 96 in Southeast Texas and I slow down my vehicle and I start pointing out that driver's window and I start telling my boys, see that little church right out there? See that little building right there? That's where I was baptized. That's where I first went down in water in the name because it's special. It's special, but I can't get so in love with a location that the only place I can pray is in the old building or when so-and-so preaches 
But i got to understand, hey, this is the day of salvation. This is the place I am. It doesn't matter where you are. God can touch you right where you are. I know we call people to the front because it's a public profession of faith. But you can touch God right where you are, right in that pew. It doesn't matter. You can touch Him in your home, wherever you are, driving down the road. You can touch Him. But you need to. It's a sacred place. This is what I'm preaching about. Finding that sacred place. I won't be a lot longer this morning. I don't know what how long a lot is, but anyway, I just gave you that hope. I want you to take a little journey with me today. I want you to think with me where you were when God saved you, where he found you. Remember how lost you were. Remember how depressed you were. Remember how lonely you were. Maybe what a, what a mess your life was in. I was a child. I didn't have a bit, lot of baggage to bring along with me. Some of you came from a long way off in the world. Some of you came from deep addictions, lives. of. You have great testimonies of what God brought you out of and delivered you from. That's amazing. Those are wonderful testimonies. I love to hear them. I like to talk about them. But do you remember where you were when mercy found you? Whether you were a child or whether you came from a dark place in the world of sin, wherever it was, do you remember where you were when grace and mercy came to you and found you. You, you. you remember how everything that was wrong in your life began to turn and he began to make all things new. Do you remember where you were when you were walking and, and dealing with depression or dealing with suicide or dealing with whatever it may have been in your life but somewhere along the way Jesus came along and turned your life around stepped on the scene. How many of you remember that in your life? You remember how God turned Thank you. You remember how God turns your life around. I want you to know today that that sacred place is very precious. You can remember that. But don't get caught up in, well, I, I need to go back to Tennessee or back to Michigan or, or, or back to Ohio or wherever. I need to go back to that location locally where I was. But I want you to know today that Jesus can meet with you right where you are today. But we need to establish a sacred place and a sacred sacred moment in our life. If you don't have a sacred place in your life, if you can't take me there, if you can't talk about it, if you can't find that place in your memory bank, you need to establish that in your life. You need to have a sacred place. If you can't sing that song, I know I'm saved and I'm glad about it. If you can't truly sing that this morning with a clear conscience and know that you're saved this morning, I want to tell you, you need to be. And don't keep putting it off because there's no place better than, the, than right now, the present, where you are. Oh, I remember where I was when the Holy Ghost swept in and changed my life. I thank God for it. That's where I met him. That's where my sins were washed away. That's that sacred place. That altar is so sacred to me. This altar is how I know that I'm saved. And if there's anybody in this room that's not sure about your salvation this morning, don't leave here until you can say, I know I'm saved. Don't leave here until there has been a dramatic change in your life. Don't leave here today. Let me ask 
this congregation something that is very personal. Maybe you can say, yeah, I had that experience. I can talk about it. This is when I was saved. How long has it been since you've gone back and renewed yourself in God? What do you mean, Pastor? Thank you for asking because this is what I believe. The Scripture said that times of refreshing shall come in the presence of the Lord. If you have not gotten in the presence of God and got a refreshing and a renewal, that joy will wear off in the cares of this life. That's why every week when I give an altar call, I'm calling for every one of us to come forward. That's why I invite the whole church and say, why don't we come forward? You know why? Because we need a refreshing. We need renewal. You can't just live on that one-time experience when I was saved, but I need it to be fresh and new. For Jesus, it was the Mount of Olives. It was the place of communion for him. It was a place of relationship for him. Child of God, you'll never get away from that sacred place. It's the place where you commune with God, where he, you talk to him and he talks to you. But once in a while, we've got to go back and we've got to have that all over afresh and anew. Somebody needs to hear the preacher this morning and know and declare, today is a great day for me to get alone with God. I think it would be good if you're listening to your pastor today that you would go home and establish. You know what? I'm not living another day. I'm going to find a little time every day. Somebody says, Pastor, I can't pray an hour a day. Don't try it if you're not already praying there. What you need to do is just establish a little time in your life to say this is prayer time. And tomorrow I'll add a minute to it. And the next day I'll add another minute. This week I was talking to someone, they're struggling with a lot of health problems and I was trying to help them and trying to get them to get up and move and walk and as I was talking to them they said, it's hard, it's difficult. I said, yes it is and when you first start, it's going to even be harder because see, when you first start exercising and you first start walking, you know what happens, the muscles get sore. Can I get a witness? It hurts. The old legs ache and the muscles hurt and you're thinking, wow. And the next day it's harder and the third day. Oh man, it's really hard on the third day. And the fourth day it's like, well, I got through it. And then it starts getting a little easier. Can I get a witness? And it starts getting a little easier and a little easier. But boy, right off the start you have to deal. You know what? Our prayer life is no different. It's hard to get started, but man, that second day, I don't know about this. By the third day, it's like, I'm quitting. This is painful. It takes time out of my life, time out of my schedule. Prayer needs to be our lifeline. Prayer is your source of strength. Come on, push a little more. Push a little more. And before long, it'll be 10 minutes and 15 and 20. And you'll be praying a little more. I'm not talking about to be heard or to announce I'm praying an hour a day. But it's so that you and God are getting in alone together and communicating until heaven touches your life. We need His help. We need His power. And we need His direction. I wonder all over the room this morning if I could ask you to stand with me. And I could ask you to be sincere. Not outwardly, not openly answering the question that I'm asking this morning, but do you have a sacred place? Where is that sacred place and how long has it been since you've been there? No, 
I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. How long has it been since you've been there? I pray at a chair in my home. I sat in that chair last night. That's not what I'm talking about. How long has it been since you've gone to that place in God? How long has it been since you have been to that secret place in God where you had a breakthrough spiritually to where you know that God heard your prayer? How long has it been? My challenge to you this morning is rather different. My challenge to you this morning is not to come running to the front, not to come sliding in the third base at the altar. My challenge to you this morning is to have a change right here in your heart, right here in your mind that says, I get this. Someone said to me the other day, Pastor, the last thing that we need is another church in Frankfurt. They were giving me a little gouge and felt like that maybe not everyone in town is rejoicing with our new building and rejoicing with the success of our congregation. And it didn't cause me to waver. It didn't cause my faith to be decreased. It didn't send me to depression. I didn't go home, pull the covers over my head and suck my thumb. Instead, I just shared with him with a smile on my face. There's something a little different. Someone said other churches seem to be in decline. What's the difference? I, I don't know. I'm not comparing churches this morning. I don't want to do that. And it sounds like I may be doing that. And I, I definitely don't want to do that this morning. But I do want to say this. As long as I'm privileged to stand in this pulpit and be called your pastor, I'm going to challenge you for your walk with God to not be a Sunday to Sunday walk with God. But I want it to be an everyday walk with God. I don't care what anybody else does anywhere else, but here, when they were marketing and selling and buying and doing business in the church, Jesus came in and threw the money changers out and turned over the tables. And here's what he said, My house! shall be called a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves, but my house is going to be called a house of prayer. It doesn't matter what's on the sign out front. It doesn't matter how pretty this building is. What matters is that when he looks down, he says that little church sitting at 2501 East Wabash Street with a group of a couple hundred and fifty people that's gathered this morning, that is a house of prayer. That's a house of prayer. You know how it's going to be a house of prayer? When you make it and I make it a house of prayer. But what about your home? What about your family? Oh, Lord, in my, in my heart this morning, I I would to God that every one of us in this room would lift our hand and say God make me a house of prayer let my life be this temple this flesh let me be a house of prayer let me be a place where you abide let me be a place where your spirit works let this church be a house of prayer let this be a community of prayers when people in the community really need prayer that they know I can call that church those people know how to pray 
pray. Those people get a hold of God. Those people have a, have a, have a place where they go and they can really touch heaven. Come on, do you have that sacred place in your life? Do you have it this morning? Could you commit to it all over the room right where you are? Would you commit, God, make me a house of prayer. Let this happen in my life. Now here's what I'm going to do this morning. I just want to give the devil a black eye if I can. Can I do that this morning? I think there's enough room for everybody here in the front. If I preach to you this morning and you want to make a commitment in your life to say, I can tell you I'm walking out of here and I'm going to pray more than I've ever prayed. I'm going to move to a new level of prayer in my life. That's you today. I just want you to step out. Thank you, Sister Wanda. I just led the way today. I just want you to step out and just come to the front today just as a, a, a personal commitment of saying, you know what? I'm going to walk up to the front this morning. I'm proud of letting my family know. I'm going to lead in prayer. I'm going to be a prayer warrior. I want to be one that knows how to reach heaven. Look at look at, look at, at this this morning. This is beautiful. This is awesome. This is what makes us Christian Life Church. Come on, let's just commit that to the Lord this morning. Can you commit it to Him today? Commit it to Him today. 